to the Mind Body Musings podcast. This is your host, Madeline Moon, and you're listening to episode 314. A couple episodes back, I told you I would give you a very good look at what I have been moving through, and I'm still very much in it, but I am going to hold true to that commitment and that basically promise that I made and share with you some really interesting things I'm reflecting on in my own relationship. And I love the fact that I am deeply entranced by relationships. It's what I've dedicated my whole life to is uncovering what makes relationships work, how to communicate, how to have polarity, how to have non-violent communication, but also non-verbal communication, those little gestures that can bring people together when they want to be on polar opposite ends of a room, what magnetizes certain people and repulses other people. I don't know. All these things really fascinate me. So with all that said, my relationship and, and any relationships that I'm in in particular are my playing, my playing field, my playground, my sandbox. They're all, did you, do you notice how I just stated all these containers? Like those are all containers because that's what relationships are. They are containers. You have two separate people coming together to create something new and it's within the confines and the boundaries of the relationship which is why it's also very important to define a relationship. Um, so to all you beings out there, primarily feminine or masculine does not matter. If you felt yourself craving to have that talk, just the other day in the Sisu society, there was a woman who posted a question saying like, oh my goodness, it's time for that talk. You know, the talk, the talk where you bring it up to whoever you're dating that you want to know what you're doing, who you are. I want to call this out right now. And I want to say, one, um, it is not a, a needy thing at all to ask this question. In fact, that's your own masculine leading. It's not your unconscious feminine. It can be that, you know, if you're someone who's constantly trying to fill a void in your heart and you're like, what are we? What are we? What are we? You know, the energy behind it matters. But assuming that it's not that you're filling a void and that's okay if you are, I would just say, let's pause and take a breather and maybe look at that yearning you are wanting to fill. You know, I'm not going to go into that one right now, but, but let's say you've been doing all this work and you're just sanely wanting to have some sort of sandbox, playground, container, definition of your relationship. This is so crucial because the feminine cannot go deeply into her vulnerability and her feels and being seen and feeling safe. Not if she has, a, not, not only because she needs the container from him, but for herself. And this is the feminine with everybody. This is the feminine within the man too. You know, the, not all people are alike, but 
when we're looking through the lens of polarity, the part of you that is feminine who wants to be fully expressed, she doesn't need a container to be fully expressed. She doesn't like absolutely need it. You know, she can, she can dance like no one is watching at any time. That takes immense, immense self-assurance and self-trust and an, an ability to walk away at any moment because you've got yourself so intensely. But that's not an easy place to be at. I'm not even there all the time. Like I, I need some sort of more tangible boundary, tangible sandbox to say, okay, here we are. Here are our agreements. Here's where we're at. And when I say all this, going back into that question of what are we? Who are we? This question doesn't have to to mean we're now boyfriend, girlfriend. We're going to get married. We're working together to, to make a family, unless that's what you want. But sometimes asking what are we could literally just lead to, okay, we don't know quite yet. We're dating, but in one month, we'll, we'll have this talk again. That's one of the most powerful shifts I think human relationships can grow into is knowing that you don't have to have the exact answer right now, but you need check-ins, consistent check-ins on, on a, like around that answer to figure out that answer. So if you're new in a relationship and your feminine's like, man, I, I want to fully open, but what I need in order to fully open is clarity. And you're nervous to bring this question. One, don't be nervous at all. If you're nervous and you actually get rejected in this question, that person is not meant for you because your feminine heart needs someone who can handle masculine responsibility. Your feminine heart deserves masculine responsibility. And you can always be the one to carry that too. The question is, do you want to? Do you want to be both bringing the energy as well as the masculine container? And if you're okay with that, how long are you okay with that for? There's no right or wrongs. This is like a, a make make it up as you go and, and choose your own adventure. You know, you're really creating what it is that you're okay with and for how long you're okay with it, what you want at the end, the end goal of relating as best as you can predict. So when you ask this question, know that it's actually your masculine leading because in a, in a perfectly polarized world where you know, what I, what I crave is, is my masculine partner to be more in the masculine and me to be more in the feminine, but us to both be in touch with both sides very well, but to be really polarized, I want to be mostly in my feminine. I want him to be mostly in his masculine in a perfect world like that to me, to, to, to my standards, um, that masculine leadership would be called out by him. He'd say, all right, we're doing this thing. Me and you are going back and forth. It's time that we set a container for this. It's time we check in and we talk about what we're doing. But a lot of men have lost touch with that aspect of leadership, and it's okay. It's our job as really intuitive, on it women to, to be the one to evoke that desire to lead within them. So you, you can take one of two ways. You can say, you know, I really feel like having this conversation, babe, about where we're at. That would help my nervous system to ground how does that feel to you? Or do you want to have this conversation about what we're doing here and just explore that? And then he might take it from there. You know, you could, you could come at it from like a, a inquisitive angle. Hmm. I'm noticing that, um, I'm really wanting to go deeper with you. So my encouragement to you ladies is not to lead with fear. 
like I'm starting to love you and I'm really afraid so we need a container I wouldn't do that even if you feel that and it's okay if you're honest and you do share that but not to lead with that lead not with the complaint but lead with the desire what do you desire because you're with that person for a reason so what are you desiring what will that agreement or that container bring you and it might not mean that you jump into okay we're now in a monogamous relationship or any kind of label it might just mean okay we're now at the stage where we're talking about this so yeah let's have a conversation about this and then you can both create space for like an hour to explore what you're loving about the relationship, what you're looking for ultimately, where you're at in your life right now, where you could see this, what you could see this growing into, and just explore that. And if you do get a response that is unsavory and triggering, does not mean that the person isn't for you. I'm not gonna say that if if they go, oh, I'm not ready to have that talk, that that person's not right. Um, Again, lead with a desire. And, and also with your inquisitiveness. Why does this, why do you not want to even just talk about this? Because this is actually for the betterment of our relationship. That This doesn't mean we have to do anything. This is just us communicating and getting to know each other and getting inquisitive. And then you can go from there. If it's a hard no, you have to decide as a sovereign queen, all right, this person is giving me a no to talking about where we're at in our relationship. Hmm. Am I okay with that right now? Um, and if I'm, if I am okay with that for right now, how long am I okay with that for? And then you create your own container. Okay. I can do this thing that we are doing together for the next 30 days, but in 30 days, that's going to be my limit to not knowing. And during that 30 days, how do you get what it is you need? If you're really wanting to, um, be in a a monogamous container with this person how do you show up as that during that time without having any expectations and if you cannot do that then it might be best to leave that situation because one of the most dangerous places that we often get into is when we start when we say we're okay with something and then we start to punish them for it yeah okay I'm, I'm fine with you coming home late but then you punish him by not giving him your love every night when he comes home late. Yeah, I'm okay that you're really more feminine than me. But then you punish him all the time when he's feminine and he's in his feels and he cries. You know, so it's really important to slow down and ask yourself what you actually are okay with and what you will not punish them for. You cannot punish them for it. That's abusive. And abuse can arrive in many different ways. It's not It's not always the most extreme type of physical or emotional or mental abuse. Sometimes it's by withholding your love that feels abusive or raising your voice that can feel abusive, that can feel traumatic. So I I just wanted to drop that in there for anyone that is feeling needy or doubting themselves or wanting to have the talk. Don't. That's your masculine being like, we need a container. That's the smart thing to do. We both have our lives that we are living and we are worthy of having really strong communication. And if you're starting your relationship off with vagueness and tiptoeing around and being on eggshells, it's not a really great sign. Honestly, it's not. It doesn't mean you're not meant to be, but it means that someone needs to step up to the plate and it can be you. 
And that's why my group coaching program is called the Sisu Society because it's feminine grit and resilience. I'm teaching women how to be both the feminine and the masculine. I think that our ability to hold our own emotions and be strong and lead is what will evoke the highest leadership in our men. Not by us shaming or blaming them for not being good enough leaders, but us to just show up as strong leaders. When they see a woman who is in her leadership and and in her masculine consciousness, he wants to protect that woman. Because somewhat, she needs a protector. If she's the one protecting, she needs a protector. That's me. It evokes within them this desire to lead and protect you. Then you have to let them. You're not going into your leadership and saying, all right, let's set containers for this relationship to prove him wrong or make him feel emasculated. It's actually to inspire him and invoke that same leadership within him. Because we have to remember that some men are afraid as well. And if you're a man listening to this, I hope this is resonating. Um, and it feels true. And if not, I'm all, always open to hear what other people think about this. Okay, so looking now, gliding a bit into some of the things I've been looking at in my relationship. And I'm going to share all of this today because I think you're going to relate to it in your own life. So listen first and then reflect. Listen And then look on your own life and see if this has shown up. So uh, long story shorter, right before, man, okay. So in um, October, my parents had a very big, big argument that was the argument to end the relationship. And in October, my parents decided to get a divorce and it happened very very quickly and I did not talk to my mother until last week so for nine months I have not talked to my mom and besides receiving emails that are unkind um, a lot a lot a lot of the of the um, abuse I've experienced in my life and my family has not been revealed on the podcast to the extent because it is not, um, it's not, it, it, I'm still learning what is the responsible way to share my story without throwing other people under the bus and shaming anyone. That's because that's never been my goal. It's not my goal and I, I will not do that. So that is a skill I am contemplating is how to share certain aspects of my story while, uh, and being truthful and, and sharing what feels right, because I'm still trying to figure out what feels right to share so that I can also create lessons around it. I don't want to just share to share. I like to share to create a story that people can relate with and then use in their own life. But I did want to share that because I have been tiptoeing around that over the past nine months. I've received lots of questions from people saying, what happened with your mom? Oh God, I fucking don't know. <laughs> like, honestly, I don't know what's happened I'm still processing a lot from my life like uh, like I wrote her a nine page letter and I got back uh, a response that was com- like just two sentences completely bypassing everything just basically saying that that's not true and well I still love you and it was deeply painful deeply painful so <clears throat> I have used a lot of different healing modalities to work through my mother wounds. Uh, Embracing the feminine has been one. Relationship has been the deepest one. 
because the way I learned to communicate was not healthy and I never knew that. I never knew that because when you're a child, you're raised by these two people, whoever they are, it could be your parents or could be grandparents or, or friends, you know, or not having consistent parents being raised up in, in foster homes. And you see these this world around you when you're three feet tall, four feet tall, five feet tall. And when you're a child, whatever is around you is, is kind of like law. It's law. It's what you know. It's it's the the end-all be-all. Like this is how you communicate. And so the way I learned to communicate and love and 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 um and to feel my own own feelings was really really distorted i wasn't allowed to feel half of the set of emotions and when i say that i mean if i felt it then i'd have my my door opened constantly having my parents come in saying yelling at me for feeling sad and then making me come downstairs and watch a movie with them to get over it. So then like not having privacy to feel what I feel, not even being able to cry and then having to come downstairs and watch a family movie, which felt abusive to my body of needing space, needing to cry, needing to feel and needing to be mad at them and not being allowed to. Now, I know that sounds like a very, 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 very light example uh, compared to all the many things out there. And that's all I'm really comfortable going into right now. Um, there was an immensely, immensely deep traumatic um, damage done in my little childhood body in many different avenues, relationally, and, and, a, and a lot was psychologically, like really having these messages implanted into my brain that I was, I was an incorrect human and people didn't like me. And there was a lot of manipulation that happened in my family to take my dad away from me, my grandparents away from me, pitting my sisters against my sister against me. There was it was like a game. And getting older, I've had such an immense interest in relationships because it all it all fascinates me. How do people love each other? How do they come together? How do parents like stay married? You know, and I've been going through a lot with them getting this very quick divorce, having my mother exit my life completely. Yes, we talked last week, but that was just a one-time thing. Uh, My body told me so. Uh, You know, it might happen again, just not for right now. And I listened to that. I listened to that voice. And um, I called her because I have been feeling into this word grace and what it means to be feminine grace and to, to love beyond borders and to just love and I sat with the idea of anything ever happening to her or happening to me and us leaving things the way they were and that didn't sit right with me. And so I made the gesture and I called her and we had a talk and, and it was good and also I realized it's not time yet. And so I had to afterwards make that clear and the ruckus that has been created uh, is, is pretty mind-blowing. Um, like that side of the... You know, Everyone listening to this show, I feel really feels that I'm trying to help people. And that is not what my entire mother's side of the family thinks. They they have all spread thing lies about me together. Um, I have this like heart necklace that's red. Um, and one person in my family told everyone else that it's a vial of blood and something about being a demonic 
Satan worshiper or something, like they'll do anything to make me look terrible to my grandparents. And it kills me every day because my gra- my grandparents believe them. Uh, and, and and there's a lot that's vague around all of that. I don't know because I don't talk to the, that entire side of the family anymore. It's like 40 people who, who um, when my parents got a divorce, completely stopped communicating with me. So 40 people who said they loved me forever uh, stopped talking to me because my parents got a divorce. It wasn't even me or my sister's fault. We did nothing, but we get punished with it. And now there's like lie after lie after lie after lie and letters being sent to me. Like it's my family that's sending hate mail and it's so painful, so painful. And that's something I've been dealing with in my life during this quarantine, during my Saturn return, during a new, a new relationship, during a global pandemic. Also doing plant medicine. I've been doing ayahuasca. Like I'm just trying to be here now. And after I share all of that, you know, that's just the teeny tiny tip of the iceberg. It makes sense to me why I'm so enthralled by healthy relationships. And at times also get really frustrated with myself for not knowing how to do them, for teaching them and, ed- and being educated in them and getting it. But then when I'm actually in it, my whole body feels like it's crawling at times because I feel unsafe. And it makes sense looking back and seeing how I was unsafe emotionally. Very. I never knew if I would have you know, this person's love or this person's love or my sister's love because she was going to be turned against me through lies from someone else that, you know, even though she's in the bedroom next to me, it was just psychological torture. So what's interesting is that right before the, the main quarantine hit, I woke up one morning and I knew I needed to, to go do ayahuasca and plant medicine so loudly. I didn't hear a voice, you know, but I heard a voice just said, today's the day. I've already shared this, but in case you're new here, I'm going to share it again. Um, I said, all right, all right, God, if, if I meant to go do ayahuasca this month, please have that particular place I was looking at going. Send me an email offering me a spot. And lo and behold, I got that email. And I talked to a person at, I talked to my now partner, um, on the phone about how to prepare and all these things. But I didn't know that at the time. I just was like, all right, this guy's going to call me. So we talked and just really nice, gentle talk. And um, I texted him afterwards and I said, I'm super excited to come. I just sent my deposit. By the way, I'm bleeding. Is that okay? I'm on my period. And he's like, yeah, that's fine. And so I come and then I meet him. Our first like moment of seeing each other is just explosions, such a deep connection. Um, We had the next day and the next day, but he was holding that masculine you know consciousness of not making sure we didn't go any further than just looking at each other's eyes and and talking um because that's not appropriate in a container like that and I was deeply in my my mother stuff like I went so that I could process some of these mother things and um you know it really helped me it really served me and so I went back home and me and him started this phone courtship and um, it was very slow at first, like the first week was just some back and forth talking. And I said to him, our, before our first call, I said something like, oh, I'm really tired. I think I'm just going to go to bed because it was 930. And he goes, how about just a quick call instead of no call? And really, that's one of those special moments that could could have changed everything. I think we would have ended up having a call the next day. But because he said, how about a short call instead of a long call? Um, I said, yes. 
and it ended up being a two hour call. <laughs> of course, uh, we were both like, no one's holding the masculine pole here. It's going to be a long call. And then we ended up having many two hour calls until he um, and me found a way to be together. And what's really interesting is that I, in a lot of relationships, I end up being avoidant. If you are not familiar with attachment styles, there's a book called Attached. I'll link it in the show notes. It's, it changed my world when I was actually with an avoidant. When I'm with an avoidant, I'm the anxious. When I'm with an anxious, I'm the avoidant. When I'm with a secure, I'm secure. I'm kind of, I think that might be a projector thing. Maybe it's just a me thing. Maybe it's a polarity thing because it's the opposite, right? It's just the opposite, the opposite, the opposite. Um, another way to look at it though, avoidant and anxious, it's like masculine and feminine. The avoidant goes off and disappears because it's the masculine who just wants to be free from responsibility and burden. The anxious is coming in closer in the relationship because they want more and more love. That's what the feminine does. It's mind blowing. I should probably do another podcast on how attachment styles are. It is polarity. It is feminine and masculine. Avoidant is masculine more in an unhealthy way. Let's say it that way. It's the, uh, it's the wounded feminine masculine. Um, but there's still, even in a, in a healthy masculine, there's still a desire to be in bliss and, and nothingness. And then the feminine is an anxious attacher and the, and the unhealthy feminine always wanting to be closer, closer, closer because of the, the fear of not being close enough. But even in a healthy feminine, that is still within. And um, I'll, I'll be honest that in our relationship, I'm often the one in the masculine and he's in the feminine. And that's been one of our, our struggles that we are working through. We are working through it. And that's the beauty of saying, I choose you. I'm here right now. I want to make this work. And so I'm deeply committed to living a long-term feminine life. And I'm in this situation right now where I'm polarized more into the masculine because I have all this masculine consciousness and knowledge. And I've been doing this work for so long. It's very easy for me to be in that. Whereas my partner is more in in the music in the feels and 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 works with women and and like it was very emotional and very intuitive and so it, we get polarized where i hold the boundaries and he's in it and then and then i get resentful about it and and then that i i might say it in a way that doesn't land well and that hurts his feelings and takes him deeper into the feels and so we've been working through that and i want to be honest about it because i want to share like this is one of the really inside look episodes of what's been happening during this quarantine time. So what I've been trying to say, and I keep getting sidetracked, is that I came to him during quarantine. We've been living together now. Um, Technically, I mean, as you all know, I was living in a community place and I was in, I had my little Airstream on the property a few feet away from where my partner Mike sleeps in the big house. And knowing that I'm primarily an avoidant who is terrified of being controlled. So since my childhood had a lot of control in it, where I was always controlled, everything, how I dressed, how I ate. When I became a vegetarian, uh, uh, my, my mother was so upset at me, so mad. And I would cry because I would be told I had to eat chicken. I, didn't ha- I didn't, wasn't able to even have my own beliefs around food. 
you know, I was supposed to be a Christian, but then when I became too Christian, I got pulled back because it was too much. And then every Christian event or retreat I wanted to go to in college got shut down. I couldn't go because it was just too much now. So I was like, what do you want me to be? I don't, can't tell. I could never please. I got, I got deep into what I was being told to be deep into. And then it got taken away from me. I made friends and then they'd be taken away from me. Literally. I'd make friends in school. And then the the next day my mom would say no more. You can't have them as friends anymore. And then I'd be friendless. And then I would be told that from her that I'm not able to make friends. So I tried my best as a child. And then whatever it was I set out to do, I had that taken from me including animals, like even my animals, I would be given animals and then they'd be taken from me. It was just very hard to keep getting things and then having them taken away and then being blamed for it because I was out of control. I couldn't do the, I couldn't do those things. And so then just not having any say in who I was and what I was allowed to believe and eat and the friends I could have, I did not know uh, a life of my own control was possible. So I ended up leaving high school early. I graduated as a junior because I needed to get the heck out. And then I went to college and, you know, I've lived alone ever since. I've, I've been in these short relationships ever since. My longest relationship is a year and a half. And partly it's because I attract people who do those things that she used to do to me or they're the total opposite and they're very loving. And then I don't know how to handle it and stay because I'm so afraid that love equals control. So my deep fear is that love will always lead to me being controlled how interesting it is that during this time, during my Saturn return, this global pandemic, I come to a community where I am without any autonomy. I had no car. The property I was living in had like a gate. Uh, and I was living in an Airstream and I didn't know how to work an Airstream. So every single thing I did was reliant on Mike helping me even getting groceries without a car, he had to take me. We had to go together. So everything from the start of our relationship was me relying on him. Um, and how interesting it is that my biggest fear is being without power, without control, without my own sovereignty. And by the way, you can have sovereignty any, in any situation. You do not need anything outside of you to have sovereignty. But after three months time, I forgot that I chose that situation and I let this frustration of not having control boil up in me. Then before I know it, I was about to explode from not having my own autonomy and agency. I couldn't get in the car and go get groceries. I couldn't figure out how to clean my Airstream septic tank. (laughs) Um, I forgot the gate code so I couldn't take a walk outside of the property. Like all these things and I just huffed and puffed and became a little brat. Um, and then, and then got terrified that I was not, I was losing myself. I was terrified that I I couldn't find myself and, and it, it, it got in my head. And long story short about that, um, Mike and I have figured that out. I've gotten a car. I've realized, okay, as an act of love to this relationship, I'm going to get a car to an act as an act of love to myself. I'm going to get a car. I can't show up as the version of me that I am if I don't have autonomy. So getting a car is a way that I can show up with more ease because I know I can get in it and I can take a drive. So I got a car and I made that investment of getting a brand new, beautiful little Kia Soul that I'm super stoked about. Um, First time for me to buy myself a car because my only other car 
only other car I've ever had was the car my dad bought me when I turned 16. And I had it until I moved to Brooklyn last year. Very long time. Loved that car. Mazda 3 hatchback. If you ever get a car, those cars are great. Um, so n- now we got a car. And then I told him one night when it became very clear, right before my period, because you always get the deepest insights about what's out of alignment right before your, per- your period. In case you didn't know that, start journaling. You'll see it. So right before my period, I realized, oh my God, we got to be out of this community if our relationship has a chance. I have to feel like I'm the queen of my queendom. I can't be living in a little Airstream as a princess, you know, constantly around people coming and going. I need space. I need sovereignty. I need my own kitchen. I need these things now to show up. This has been fun. It's been great. I learned a lot of learning how to live around other people, but now I need space. And lo and behold, it happened within two weeks. Like something literally just landed in our lap. And now I'm sitting here recording this in my new house, which is filled with light, two bedroom, huge dining table, furniture already in here. We have everything we need. I have a car. And now I'm just feeling into the lingering stickiness, the, 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 the fear, the fear of being controlled, the fear of not having what I want. It's the part of me that feels really alive in those moments. It's the little girl that was just craving to be loved no matter what. And my partner so amazingly has been telling me, reminding me he never wants to dim my light. And I need those reminders. I need to hear that. But I also needed that experience of, of my, like, obviously, I unconsciously chose to go be without any autonomy and have no car and rely on someone completely to help me figure out my airstream. Like, I chose that. Something about that my soul needed. But also on the other side, a really beautiful side, is I was then all of a sudden being really held in a community, healing mother wounds, and then also being around um, some people who are in their 50s and, and late 40s. And and that was really lovely to, to, to feel their energy when I going through deep mother trauma to have them rise to the occasion and to love me. And so there's been a lot of inner child stuff coming up. To me, the inner child is not about sitting down and writing notes about what will bring you joy. It's about actually going into those states where your child is deeply wounded and loving him or her regardless. Not even regardless. Let me say that differently. Inner child work is about going into your inner child trauma, letting it arise whenever it does, letting it be triggered, letting letting it want to throw a tantrum and being there for it and giving yourself love and speaking your truth and feeling your feelings and then taking action to get yourself, get your little inner person what they needed. My little inner person and my queen needed a car. My little inner person and my queen needed to be in a house. Both of them, they, they think they feed off each other. We become our queen by listening to the part of us that is the child. That's how we know what our queen needs. We heal the wounds within our child by breathing through it, moving through it, and feeling what needed to be felt but never was allowed to be felt as a child. And then we become the queen, we become the king because we have safety, we have grounded, we have a root shock, feeling good. And so 
as as an overall update, that's where I'm at right now. That's where we are at in our partnership is me living my practice again. Like I'm, I'm, I, I forgot a lot about my practice of creating art out of my pain and polarity and stage three communication. And, and we are working on that together so that I take responsibility for moving back into my feminine regardless of what he's doing. And he is also learning about masculine consciousness in the lineage I study, which is so beautiful that he's open to it and he's hungry and he's uh, listening to Way of Superior Man by David Data. And I've introduced him to a few um, men doing the work that I do, but for the masculine. And uh, ladies out there, this is what I've done. This is something like I'm going to pat myself on my back for this because in two years ago, I did not do this. Two years ago, I would have been like, you need to learn about the masculine. Let me teach it to you. Here's what it's like. And uh, uh-uh, I was not going to do that because your man is not going to be inspired to learn about his masculine by you telling him what it means to be masculine. So what I did was have a friend uh, advise which groups my partner may enjoy to learn from and then kind of sidestepped and invited him to those things just gently sending links being like here's a couple links that may be interesting to you and he took initiative like yep signing up for that signing up for that signing up for that and then when he asked me what books to read I said oh okay here are this here's this book in this book and um, I've also received feedback from masculine men in my life that say if you want him to read a book give that book to a guy friend he has and he'll give that book to him or leave it on his bedside table but we don't create a polarized relationship by shaming our partner into it we have to do it gently and that can be really hard that's been challenging for me in in many ways it's been challenging I'll be honest and how to basically get what it is I want And we don't get what we want. We have to give it. So by giving him my practice of being in my own feminine heart and and also revealing to him what it feels like to me when I'm not in my feminine has really served. You know, I've cried with him about how how much I want us to be in this this space where I'm utterly opened with him and, and always in the feels. And he's revealed to me like by embracing me it evoked within him a desire to protect me coming forward and being inspired into that. So I, I want to share this journey as we go along of what doing this kind of work really looks like. Because it's all easy to come on and say, oh, have a polarized relationship when you're not in one. Or when you are in one, when you're not in a relationship at all. Or when you are in a perfectly polarized. Like it takes work. And so I'm getting a lot of really cool insight into what it's like to start not from the ground up. I mean, to be clear, my partner has so many tremendous masculine qualities. Many. In relationship and in our particular dynamic, we just polarize each other in a certain way. So now we're really doing this work. Um, Yeah. So I'm going to stop it there. The continuation of this work uh, in an even deeper way happens over in my one-on-one coaching where we actually look at your life and we slow down around that and we create polarity and relational intimacy and feminine embodiment and even masculine embodiment so you may learn how to husband your own feminine I do single sessions I do three-month coaching six month and a year long so if any of this sounds particularly intriguing and yummy to you, 
you can look on my on the show notes for this episode and click the coaching link to either book a single session or to apply for three, six, or 12 months. And then I've got my group coaching program called the CSU Society. It is only $19 a month, and it's two monthly live calls. What I've been doing in the CSU Society the past couple months is um, teachings where I hop on Facebook Live and I do two really in-depth teachings. Honestly, they have been incredible, the feedback I've received from that especially the very first calls is we start off with a bang. Your mind will be blown by what you learn in that first call. And it's not just me teaching. It's an actual meditation where you will discover what it is you always wanted in, in your life, in love, but you never got. So the quality you never got from your parents and you'll see how it turns full circle to show you the kind of people you now choose. It's really interesting. So what I've been doing is, is leading and teaching and doing embodiment practices. But what we're going to start doing a little more of is actual like women's, women's groups in the evening time where I will be leading you through practices, sometimes partner practices, and there's going to be time for shares and question and answering. So I'll be answering your questions as well as solo teachings where I do still come on and teach. So it's just a really wonderful playground for if you're wanting to go deeper into this work, you're wanting to have community and you're wanting to be led through feminine practice every other week. You have an action set aside for you to move your body and feel your feels. So let me hold you. Come on over to maddiemoon.com forward slash dash society to sign up. You can cancel any time. And I look forward to hearing any questions or comments you may have about this episode. Sending you all so much love. Have a wonderful rest of your week.